0: On our recent family vacation here in the month of, of August, we experienced a bit of vehicle trouble. Our van broke down at one point. And that's, a, that's a whole other story that I'm not going to get into. But we also had some difficulty with our tent trailer. The leaf spring on our tent trailer broke. I remember the, that afternoon I was driving along and I hit a particularly large bump. And I saw the trailer in the rearview mirror. And it kind of it shifted and swiveled in a way that was really surprising and, and strange. But we just kept driving on and everything seemed fine. But that evening as I was setting up the trailer, I noticed that one side was lower than the other. So I went under and I took a look and and sure enough, the leaf spring was fractured. The metal was broke right off. The leaf spring serves as a suspension system and, and it's meant to absorb the force of going over over bumps, absorb the stress so that, uh, you know, it takes it easier on, on the trailer so it doesn't break, so that it doesn't crack. The contents in the trailer don't crack. So the suspension system is, is actually super, super handy. It helps to deal with that stress. Now, stress can be a very good thing. Physics tell us that stress is the force that's placed upon an object in order to change its shape or its course, so stress can actually be a good thing. You're playing a violin; you place stress on the strings with the bow, then it makes a beautiful, a beautiful noise. The uh, the leaf spring on the trailer is meant to absorb stress. It's meant to deal with with stress along the way. So stress and pressure, it can actually be it can be good and it can be natural, but too much stress, too much pressure can be a bad thing. Too much stress on the leaf spring of the trailer over a period of time meant that it broke. And if I wouldn't have fixed it, it would have caused quite a bit of difficulty along the way. Stress and pressure, good and natural, but too much can cause uh, a breakdown. Now, the same is for yourself. The same is for myself. We feel pressure. We feel stress in a whole variety of ways upon us. And our work is a significant aspect of that. As we do the work that we're called to, we all feel stress in that. And if you work too hard, and if you neglect the place of rest in your life, you will crack and break under that stress. And I imagine you've seen that in your own life. Maybe you've experienced it. You've seen it in the lives of others. And so I want to offer this reminder today to make sure that you do not break under that stress. I urge you, don't let life break you. You need to rest too. Now you were created to work. Work is a really good thing right from the start. It's a significant part of the creation story when God fashions Adam and Eve as the first humans. In which He places the image of God, He sets them in the garden, and He says Genesis chapter two, two fifteen. I'm just going to turn there right now. Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen. In, in the scriptures here, it says, "The Lord God took the man, and He put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. This was God's purpose for Adam to work in the garden, to look after, to to rule over all of creation." to do good things and helping God to establish his kingdom. So it's, it's good to work. Now, a number of years ago, I had a friend who was in a bit of a rough spot and he was living with us for a bit. He, uh, he, he didn't have a place to live. He didn't, didn't have a job. had gone through some really challenging circumstances in the weeks leading up to that. He was applying for a number of things, trying to get back on his feet, but it was really in a, in a stage of waiting for things to sort out. And So it was a lot of sitting around and it was hard for him, emotionally hard. And and all of that. And, and during this time, I was able to arrange for another friend to, uh, to hire him for a day just to work on his, on his farm and, and to do some pressure washing. And pressure washing was great because this, this young fellow had done a fair bit of pressure washing in previous work experience. So we went off for the day and, and did the work. And, and it was incredible to see the transformation in him the moment that he walked in the door of our house that night after the day's work and the transformation was incredible it was was like a complete 180 just the joy and the life that was in him like his his he held his head high where before it had been kind of low and and discouraged and, and there was a sparkle in his eyes just a deep deep joy and that is because we are created to do work to do good in the world we're created. it gives us um it gives us dignity It gives us self-respect, it gives us joy, and it fills us with with pride. We are created to work. As I mentioned a moment ago, this is what uh, the, the task, the role that God gave Adam and Eve when he placed them in the garden. To work is a good gift from God. Through the feeding and the clothing, the teaching and the caring for people, through building structures, through the creation of art, through the development of technology, all of these things... We are playing a role in God's development in this world, the establishment of God's kingdom. I see the pride and the joy in many of you as you talk about your work. When Sarah Rose tells me everything that The Hive, a nice little store in Bayfield where she works, everything that The Hive has to offer, I've asked her before, and I see the joy and uh the, the, the dignity and, and the honor within her rise out as she talks about that. I see it when I when I chat with Clayton Steckley and I hear about all the work that he used to do in maintenance at Grand Cove estates in Grand Bend, and I, I see that that dignity and that that joy, that that life calling rise up within him as he shares about that. When Bob Hendrick talks a little bit about his work volunteering with blessings. You know, it might not be formal work employment anymore, but, but we do work in a whole variety of ways, whether it's our formal employment or not. And as he goes about with the blessings van and, and picks up furniture for people to help the mission of blessings store. Work is wonderful. The renowned civil rights activist and community developer, John Perkins, once said, very simply, he said, people need two things, Jesus and a job. You were created to work. But like anything that's marvelous, it has its potential to be corrupted, to be abused, and become a point of disruption in our life to cause chaos and havoc. What happens when a person is always busy at work, neglecting being home and caring for and relating to their spouse and their kids? What happens? You've seen it before. What happens when we're working too hard to eat right? And to take care of our bodies. You've seen this in various circumstances. What happens? What happens when we're always on, always answering the phone, always dealing with email for our job and carrying the stress for that 24 hours a day? If we're not sleeping, we're attending to work stuff. What happens when we live like that, working, working, working without any degree of rest in the midst of it? We break under the stress. Our relationships suffer. Our relationship with God and with others break down our physical and our mental health deteriorates. So many disastrous effects. Just like that leaf spring on my trailer when there was too much pressure over too long of a period of time, it broke down. And so too, we break down and we suffer under the pressure and the weight of our work if it's too much. And so this is why you are also created for rest. And we see this also in Genesis when God sets things into motion. We see it later on in the, in the life patterns of Jesus where he's giving and ministering and teaching and doing all this great stuff. But he withdraws to be by himself. He withdraws to have fun with disciples. He withdraws to pray to the Father. And this is affirmed at the start of the story of Genesis. Genesis 2.2, 2, it says, by the, seventh, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing so that on the seventh day he rested from all of his work. Then God created the seventh day and he made it holy because he rested from all of the creating work that he had done. There's also hints in Genesis 3 that it was a practice of God to walk in the garden in the cool of the evening, relating with Adam and Eve, walking there, looking over things. Now, it's interesting to think about, why did God need to rest? Have you ever thought about that? Do you think God was tired? Well, if he was tired, I don't know if he would really be God. I I honestly don't think that God was worn out and that he, I don't think it was a case that he would have, wouldn't have been able to work the following week if he wouldn't have rested. But I think he was demonstrating a pattern, a way of life. He was showing the proper values of work being a good thing, but also rest and enjoying relationships, enjoying the goodness of creation. We need to rest we need to enjoy life. We need to be with others. The fact that the call to live out Sabbath is listed in the Ten Commandments alongside not committing adultery, alongside not stealing, alongside not murdering, alongside not bearing false witness or lying, indicates that the value of rest and worship in your life is as critical and important to God as each of those other things. Work is good, but you are also created to rest. To intentionally be with God, to be with others, and to take care of yourself. So, when you think about it, why, why can we rest? Why should it actually be easy for us to rest? Should it be easy? I'm not saying it always is in our humanness and our fallenness and our distrust and all of the chaos of who we are as broken and, and not fully glorified people. It's not easy, but why should it be? As we grow and mature in faith, why should it become easier to rest? Well, it's because God is on the throne. He's carrying out his plans, whether I'm engaged in working at it or not. Because we don't need to earn God's favor. We don't need to earn his salvation. We don't need to keep on trying and trying and trying. So we can step back and rest. We can enjoy God's company. We can enjoy the company of others. We can take care of of ourselves. Everything that we want to accomplish. What are the things I want to accomplish in life? The things that you want to accomplish in life. I want to accomplish security. I want to be valued and I want to be honored by others. And I do. And I think that each of you do also want to play a role in helping Jesus bring his kingdom to earth, making earth a better place. But God's already accomplished all of this on the cross. He's accomplished his security He's accomplished your value. He's accomplished the victory that will bring his kingdom. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, it reads, Now we who have believed enter that rest. And then verse 9 and 12 goes on to say, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God rests from his So this this idea of God in the creation story resting from his work is actually, and and his call for us to also rest is also a, a sign or a pointing to the ultimate rest that we can find through faith in Jesus. I don't need to strive to be significant. I don't need to strive to be secure because Jesus has already accomplished that for me and so I can rest. I don't need to work to become a better person so that God will love me. At the cross... Jesus died. He took our sin upon himself to forgive us so that we could be set free. He has declared you through his work at the cross, if you've placed your faith in him, he has declared you as perfect, as holy, as righteous. That's good news. And so you don't need to keep working harder to please God. And this is is the gospel. And this gospel becomes the inspiration for why we can be a people who know how to rest Well, as the gospel takes root in our lives, as we become more aware of, more settled in the security that is made possible to us through Jesus' work at the cross, we can rest easier. Because we know that even if we don't get it all done, God's got us. He will provide for us. He will care for us. And he's actually got more in store for us if we rest well, a more full life if we're in tune to his presence in our lives and if we're caring for the people around us. And enabling us to flourish emotionally and spiritually. He's got more in store for us if we intentionally create space to rest. Instead of just working all the time. Our capacity to rest stems from the gospel. We can rest from our works because of salvation that Jesus has provided for us. So I've been borrowing a bunch of my ideas for this message today from a fellow named Mike Breen and his book, Building a Discipline Culture. Some of you may be familiar with his work through our discipleship huddles that have been taking place, or you've heard me refer to him along the way. So I just want to give credit there that I'm borrowing a little bit from Mike Breen along the way. And I'm going to continue to offer a few of his ideas in this next couple of minutes. But he writes, he says, part of becoming a healthy, fruitful disciple is learning to work and to rest in proper balance. If you don't rest and work in proper balance, you're not going to grow into maturity in faith. You're going to be frazzled and stressed out and have misaligned priorities. To become a healthy, fruitful disciple, you need to learn to work and to rest in proper balance. This is key for all of us. Now, a moment of honesty here. Sometimes I feel guilty that I don't work enough as a pastor. Normally I do about somewhere between 40 and 50 hours a week. Often it'll be more in the range of 45 to 50. Some weeks it's up to 55. Some weeks it's 40. It, it really depends. But sometimes I feel bad that I don't work more. I know that there are other people around me who work more hours at their jobs than I do. And good heavens, every night I go home and I've got a, got a, a, a to-do list of all the things that, ah, oh, shoot, I didn't get to today or I no need attention. I'll be honest, sometimes I feel guilty that I don't put in more work. But I also refuse to sacrifice the health of my family for my work. For the call that God's placed on my life. I refuse to sacrifice the health of my relationships with my family, friends, for people outside of the church. I refuse to sacrifice my own personal health and emotional, spiritual well-being for the sake of my job and my calling. It's my hope and my prayer that I won't burn out someday as some pastors do. Now, who knows? Lord, Lord willing, that's, that's my hope. Um, it's my hope that I won't burn out because I aim to keep rest and work in proper balance. I don't always do that perfectly. I have growing to do in this area, but this has been a priority and a value. And it's why I took off for three weeks in the month of August. I understand different people have different circumstances and different capacity um, to be able to do these things. But this is, for me, a part of what work and rest looks like? How is it for you? Are you working well? Are you resting well? Are you holding these two in good balance? Is your work and your degree of work having a damaging effect on your family? It would be easy to tell yourself, well, I'm working hard, I'm providing for them financially. I'm going to make sure that they always have everything that they need while well, the relationships are suffering underneath. Is your work having damaging effects on your family? Now, of course, there are seasons of life when we need to work harder than others. Different situational factors, different seasons that mean that for these weeks, these months, I'm grinding. I'm getting up at the, at the crack of dawn, going to bed after, after, after dark, work, work, work. There are times, there are seasons, I, you know, I, I, I get that. Farmers and tradespeople tend to be busier in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the spring, the summer, and the fall when the weather is good, and then they slow down and rest a bit in the winter. For myself and for others, it tends to be the fall, the winter, and the spring that are busier, and summer tends to be slower months in which I can rest a bit more. But whatever the case is for you, do you rest well on a daily basis and a weekly basis, and then in those seasons. And Breen suggests actually that we, we divide it up into these categories to rest. Well, he says, um, sorry, one second here. First of all, he asks us to look at the category of days. What does rest each day look like for you? Do you work so much that all you have is, is space to sleep for a few hours? Or do you incorporate time for yourself into most days? Do you incorporate time to relate to your spouse or a dear friend? To be with your kids on most, if not every day? What does rest look like in the midst of each day? Do you have time to be with your neighbor or are you working too hard? On the weeks, what does rest look like on a weekly basis? Do you set aside a day of Sabbath rest to worship God To calm down and to be with other people. To just enjoy life. I fear that many of us have thrown the value of a weekly day of Sabbath rest out the window. And when I say a Sabbath rest, I mean a day in which we actually say on this day, I'm not intentionally getting anything done. There's nothing I need to get done that I'm doing. I'm actually just resting. I think there's something that we've thrown out the window and it's something we're actually poorer for. It is not wise. It is not healthy to live in this way. Do you schedule times on a monthly basis to rest? Maybe it's, a, you know what, this day we're going to take the family. We're heading out to the lake and we're just going to have a good time. Or this day I'm actually I'm going to curl up and I'm going to read a book. Or maybe it's a get together with family and friends. Maybe it's a retreat day of prayer. A date with your spouse. What does it look like to have monthly rhythms of rest that you schedule on your calendar? And then lastly, thinking of seasons. Do you schedule rest in the midst of seasons? If you have to work hard at certain points of year, do you scale it back at other points of the year? Do you take a vacation with your family? How do you welcome God into that experience? Do you take a weekend away with your spouse every once in a while? Maybe once a year or a couple times a year? Do you get a getaway with your your friends? Do you ever do spiritual retreats to connect with God or go to a workshop to grow in your faith? So many ways that we pay attention to rest in our lives on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, and then a seasonally basis. Work is good. You were created to work. Work hard. Work for the glory of God. But hold that in good balance with rest. Rest is critical. God has also designed you to rest, to step back, to be in relationship with him and with those around you and just enjoying life. Don't let work. Don't let this world break you down. You need to rest too. What does it look like for you to intentionally uh, embrace that and create space for rest in your life? Let's take a moment and close here in prayer. God, we thank you that we can rest. We place our confidence in you, in your plans, and what you're achieving, and what you're co- accomplishing. We place our trust in you. You said that you are our provider. That you are our provider. And so we can rest, trusting in you. And so I pray for each one who hears this. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict us, that you would guide us in discerning what this balance looks like in our lives between work and rest. How can we honor you? How can we live for your glory? How can we flourish? Speak to us, God. If there's places where we've been pressing too hard, show us where we need to scale back. Show us why it is that we feel we need to press in so hard. What are the underlying idols what are the ways we get to place greater faith in you? And thank you most of all that in our faith we can rest because you have saved us from sin and you've given us a future. So much good things to enjoy because of what you did in your cross and your resurrection. So we honor you, we lift your name high, and we ask that you guide us to be a people of rest as individuals, as families, as employees, as employers, and as a church as well. Thank you that you carry us as we rest. And we pray all of this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alrighty. Well, thanks for listening in. Be sure to find space to rest today, tomorrow, this week, this month. God will carry you even as you rest.